with you. Open up to Numbers chapter 14. I'm sorry. Numbers 15. Yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah. A quick update for folks who are curious. Willow arrived in Ethiopia. Uh, they went through the, the court, met with the judge. Everything's good. She's with Petros or Petros or Peter or whatever his name is going to be. <laughs> when he gets home, we'll figure all that out. Uh, she will, she, everything's good. So everything's gone well, and we're looking forward to her being home. I don't think she'll make it by Sunday. But uh, by next Wednesday, we'll all get a chance to meet him too. So keep praying that, that, that the Lord continues uh, to work. Also, uh, Jeannie had her appointment with the doctors today. Uh, they didn't do a scan of her head. They did a scan of her body. Cancer in her body is growing. So uh, they're considering what other treatments are available. In the meantime, they're asking that we would continue to, to lift up the family in prayer. And uh, ultimately, we all know uh, the only healer is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, we look to him to be her healing and the family's strength as they go through this time. So please remember to continue to pray for them. And, uh, and we'll continue to to watch and wait and see what the Lord will do. Uh, Numbers chapter 15 tonight, if you'll take a look with me. Numbers chapter 14, you remember we talked about it last week, was the Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea was the point that God brought the children of Israel. Specifically, he took a year, actually a year and a couple of months, to bring them to the place of Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea was the entrance into the promised land. All the promises of God. Every promise he ever gave them. Here you are. You're on the brink. You're on the edge. All you have to do is walk in and possess. And the people made a decision that uh, they would send 12 spies into the land. 12 spies went in and for 40 days they searched out the land. They came back with with a, a cluster of grapes that took two people to carry. And they came and said, truly this is a land flowing with milk and honey. Everything we could ever ask for. Everything we could ever want. There it is. It's all in this place. But ten of the spies brought back a report that said, we can't do it. They said there's giants there. People are too big. They're too powerful. They're too mighty. The problem is too large. It's too much of a struggle. And so as we look at that, they're, they're like, oh, what are we going to do? How? There's no way that we can do this. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, oh, you guys got it all wrong. Let's just go. Let's just go. The Lord will give us the land. He's made the promise. Let's claim the promise, hold to the promise, and move forward. And we all know what the children of Israel did. The children of Israel, through unbelief, chose not to enter into the land. They listened. Not only did they listen to the ten spies who said they couldn't do it, but they elected a new leader, and they decided they were going back to Egypt. And Joshua, you'll remember, Joshua and Caleb stood up to tell them, hey, don't do that. We don't have to go here. We don't have to do this. And as they're telling them that, the people are getting ready to stone them. And then God returns. God comes down at that moment. The glory of the Lord is with them. He speaks to Moses. All of a sudden, the people aren't looking to stone anybody. And the Lord brings his judgment. The people had said, listen, we're, we're not going to be able to go into the land. Our children will be sacrificed in the land. And so the Lord said, since you were afraid for your children, you won't enter the land. Your children will. So everyone from 20 years of age and older 
All of those 20 years of age and older would wander in the wilderness for the next 40 years until that whole generation died off. And then they would come back to Kadesh Barnea again. And the younger generation, those under 20, would have their opportunity to decide whether or not they were going to receive the promises of God and enter into the promised land. And as we talked about that, we realized for you and I, we all face our same giants. And we all have the ten spies in our minds that tell us we can't do it. And, and we have that still small voice somewhere in there saying we can. And we will all stand at Kadesh Barnea. One time, two times, ten times, five times. Any number of times we may find ourselves in that place. And the, the choice that we have is, will we walk in faith holding on to the promises of God? Or will we listen to the lies? The enemy whispers in our mind that we can't and wander in the wilderness for 40 more years. Our time in the wilderness is directly related to our ability to walk not in unbelief, but in faith, in trust, believing what God has said. After the Lord told them all these things, you know, the people said, okay, I get it, we got it wrong, so God, we're going to go, we're going to go. But the Lord had already said, I'm not going to go with you, you're going into the wilderness. No, God, no, 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 we're going to go. So they armed up, and they went into the land, and they got whooped. What happened? Listen, when God brought them this judgment, when the Lord laid this upon them, the people were moved with worldly sorrow. You guys remember worldly sorrow from Sunday, right? Worldly sorrow is that sorrow that says, man, I'm, I'm sorry that God's bummed and, 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 and that we didn't do it. And I, I'm really sorry about the consequences because I'd like to have the blessings of God. Uh, so, okay, I'll go ahead and do it now. But, but now it was too late. They were not moved. They were not moved by godly sorrow, which leads to repentance. How do we know that? The Bible tells us. As we're holding our fingers here at Numbers chapter 15, turn with me to Amos. Amos, who's a prophet of God. Amos chapter 5. He lays out for us what was going on with the children of Israel during the wilderness wandering. Amos chapter 5, verse 25, he says, Did you offer me sacrifice and offerings in the wilderness for 40 years, O house of Israel? You also carried Sikkuth, your king, and Chayun, your idols, the star of your gods which you made for yourself. Therefore, I'll send you to captivity beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. He says, you carried Sikuth. Sikuth is the god Molech. Molech was one of the gods to whom Israel was in the habit of sacrificing their children to. This is the people at Kadesh Barnea. These are the ones wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Never once offering an offering to the Lord. Never one time in 40 years. Did they offer a spontaneous offering of thanksgiving to God? They never did it. This was the heart and the attitude. They carried around false gods. Molech. They carried around Chayun. They carried around the star gods. They carried around anything that wasn't the true and living God. Why? Because all those other gods will let you do whatever you want. They say whatever feels good. But the God... 
the true God, the God of the heavens, he knows what it takes to make us tick. And he laid out for them the things in which he expected them to walk. The, the obedience that he expected from the people. He laid out for them as we studied the book of Leviticus, the requirement that Almighty God has for us and they, that we would be holy. Scripture lays out, be ye holy as I am holy. And before you think that's only in the Old Testament, it's First Peter. Be ye holy. Be holy. What was holiness? It was separated away from the world and unto God. How is it that the New Testament says it? It says it like this. Do not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing of our mind. Godly sorrow. Seeing the, the things in our life that separate us from God the way God sees them. We change our mind. Philippians 2. 5 through 8, let the mind of Christ be in you, which was in Christ Jesus our Lord, who at the very thought, who being in the very form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. This is a call that God gives to us to be holy. Come out from among them. Be numbered with him. That we are seen as God's kids. And that's what Kiddush Barnea was all about. Be seen as my kids. How many times did God say to his people, you come and follow me. I will be your God and you will be my people. That people would see, that people would know, that people could recognize what was going on. But that wasn't the heart of the people. That wasn't where the people were at. They did not circumcise for the 40 years that they wandered in the wilderness. They did not make an offering the 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. And they worshiped idols for those 40 years that they wandered in the wilderness. Stephen tells about it in Acts chapter 7. That was the heart of the people. The heart of the people who God said, you're going to go into the wilderness until this generation dies out. They had turned themselves away from the Lord. But what I love, and when we look at chapter 15 of the book of Numbers, verse 1, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses and said, Now speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you have come into the land, immediately after saying the judgment, saying this generation is going to perish, the next thing he tells Moses is, Tell the children of Israel when they come into the land. You know, you and I can delay the blessings of God. But we cannot destroy his purpose. We may delay the blessings that God wants to pour out in our life through disobedience and unbelief. We can do that. But you cannot destroy the promise of God. The promise of God is the children of Israel will enter into the land that God is giving them. It's God's land and he gives it to whom he will. And he gave it to the children of Israel. And they're going to go in. But we also see in this same sense how in our lives human responsibility works with God's sovereignty. They had a choice. Go into the land, don't go into the land. Believe the promises of God, don't believe the promises of God. God's will, God's sovereign will is accomplished. The children of Israel will enter into the land. But this generation loses an opportunity to go through unbelief. Through a lack of faith. The unwillingness to trust God in the face of the giants that were laying before them. But immediately, God emphasizes when you come in. 
when you come into the land. This generation will pass away, but you're still coming. There's still children or, or those under the age of 20 to whom Moses can speak. Hey, guys, we're coming back. We're going to be back at this place. What's it like for them? For 38 years, I'm going to wander in the wilderness because of my father's unbelief. For 38 years, there's going to be this delay of, of the promises of God in my life. How do they feel? How, 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 does that, how does that set on them? And God lays out for them, listen, when you come, and you will come, when you enter the land, these are the things that I want you to do. This is the heart that I want you to have. What's he say? When you enter into the land uh, that you are to inhabit and which I am giving you, and you make an offering of fire to the Lord, a burnt offering or a sacrifice to fulfill a vow, or, or as a free will offering... Or in your appointed feast to make a sweet aroma to the Lord from the herd or from the flock, then he who presents his offering to the Lord shall bring a grain offering of one-tenth of ephah, fine flour mixed with one-fourth a hen of oil and one-fourth a hen of wine. Listen, he's going to lay out for him, guys, when you come in, here's, here's a little bit more about how our relationship is going to work out. God continues to reveal himself to the people. He continues to reveal himself to the people who have been rejected and whose carcasses will lie in the wilderness. He continues to reveal himself to those who are going to enter into the land. He's showing them, this is how I want you to come to me. This is what I want you to see. And folks, before we look at the Old Testament and we say, oh my gosh, a a whole bunch more offerings, don't forget the things that we've already learned. What's a burnt offering? An offering of dedication. It was an offering that was given, one of three offerings that the Lord said is a sweet-smelling aroma. A sin offering and a trespass offering were never a sweet-smelling aroma because it was a sacrifice for sin. But the burnt offering is an offering of free will. The peace offering, offering of free will, these offerings that, that we're going to be taking a look tonight were an opportunity to spontaneously break out in thanksgiving and praise to the God who saves. And that's where his emphasis goes in chapter 15. We all have an opportunity in any given day to to offer up sacrifice of praise to the God who saves. And it is up to us to do. God's not going to say you're going to do it this many times a day. You're going to do it that many times a day. He just tells you how he wants it and that he wants it. And I tell you this right now. Willow in Ethiopia... Praise God when she walked out of the judge's office and everything was squared away with adoption and, and preparing for the trip to come home. In fact, the, she, the house that she's staying in, full of Christians. So she's, she's stoked. She praised the Lord. You know what else I promise you? When Jeannie and Dean left the doctor's office, they praised the Lord too. One, full of good news and hope. One, not necessarily so. Well, both were giants, weren't they? Both were big problems. Oh, how are we going to make it so that we can go to Ethiopia and adopt this child? How are we going to raise the funds? How are all these things going to happen? But by faith, step by step, they put one foot in front of the other. They didn't stare at the giants. They stared at their Lord and Willow's there. And Jeannie and Dean, they're, they're giants still standing in front of them. But they're not staring at the giant. 
They're staring at their Lord. Oh, that's real life, man. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the Word of God says, listen, you can offer this, the burnt offering, a sacrifice, a dedication, as, as Jeannie stands before the Lord and says, well, God, I am yours. My breath is yours. When you take it, you take it. When you give it, you give it. And her attitude is just one of trusting God implicitly and completely for whatever she has. And it's probably good that we aren't all at that place at the same time. Because I don't know if we look in the face of the God who saves, waiting or hearing bad news and continue to have faith and trust Him. But that's what He calls us to. And when you come into the land, when you face the giants, when you're going through the struggles, bring your burnt offering, your sacrifice of dedication. Either you are completely and utterly dedicated to the Lord or you're not. There's no way to be a partial burnt offering. Everybody understands that, right? I'm just a little bit burnt. (laughs) Just burnt on one side, rare on the other side. No, the... The sacrifice of dedication, the burnt offering, was all or nothing. What does the Scripture tell us in in Romans chapter 12? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, what? You present yourself how? A living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable, which is our reasonable act of worship. We present ourselves as a living sacrifice. That means we give ourselves... Folks, it's easy to die for the Lord. It's a whole other thing to live day in and day out and day in and day out for the Lord. But that's what he calls us to. That's the burnt offering, man. That's a, that's a complete devotion and dedication to the Lord. That's what he's calling for here. And he says, now, when you do that, when you dedicate yourself to me, what's he called for them to do? He says, I want you to also give the grain offering, the meal offering. The meal offering, that grain offering. And in that grain offering, he gives us the, the, the three parts of that. He says... One-tenth of ephah of fine flour, one-fourth a hint of oil, one-fourth a hint of wine. Now, all th- three of those things are symbolic of something. Uh, uh, the, the flour is symbolic of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. By the way, those are both the same thing. And you get to Revelation chapter 19, you'll find out that Jesus' name is the Word of God. The Word of God. What did Jesus say? That He was the bread from heaven. That He was what the manna pictured in the Old Testament. That He was that. And unless we eat of His flesh and drink of His blood, we have no part in Him. Unless we make Him a part of us. It's easy to give lip service, right? We all know that. The three parts of the offering. The flower pointing to Jesus Christ and Word of God. The oil pointing to the Holy Spirit. And the wine, joy. Joy, the Spirit, and the Word. These are the three things that we're to bring with our offering of devotion and dedication. How are we going to give an offering of devotion and dedication in the midst of facing the giants that we face in our life and walking in faith? trusting in the Lord to enter into the promised land, to enter into the promise that He's given, that we're going to come with the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
We're going to do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the joy of the Lord will be our strength. That's got to be a part of who we are. That's part of our offering a, a dedication. This is the, the revelation that he brings to the, to the people here. Now, you, you've been rejected, but when you enter into the land, when you finally have the victory, when you enjoy all of that, then not only do I want you to make the sacrifice of devotion and dedication, but bring with it the flour, the oil, the wine, joy, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. That that's supposed to be a part of what they offer. And what does he say of it? I love in verse 3 where he says that this is to make a sweet aroma to the Lord. Five times in the first 21 verses, he's going to use that same phrase. He goes on in verse 6, Or for the ram you will prepare as a grain offering, two-tenths of ephah of fine flour, one-third a hint of oil, and as a drink offering you will offer one-third a hint of wine as a sweet aroma to the Lord. Same thing. The only difference is the bigger the sacrifice, the more you bring. The bigger the sacrifice, the more flour, the more oil, the more wine. The more the devotion, the greater the dedication, the more word, the more the Holy Spirit, and the more the joy of the Lord are going to be evident in your life. That's what he's laying out for us. That's what we see here. He goes on in verse 8. Now, when you prepare, when you prepare a young bull as a burnt offering or a sacrifice to fulfill a vow, that's a peace offering, or as a peace offering to the Lord, then you shall be offered with a young bull, a grain offering, a three-tenths an ephah of fine flour, mixed with half a hint of oil, and you will bring as a drink offering, a hint of wine, as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Again, the bigger the sacrifice, the bigger all these things would be. And how was it offered? The grain offering, you have the Word of God, the flour, mixed with the Holy Spirit. How do we understand the Word of God when we study the Word of God? We take the Word of God and we mix it with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings the Word of God to to life for us. We pray, Lord, by your Spirit, help me understand the things, help me apply the things. Let Let me put this into my life. And then what was was the drink offering? See, they would take the grain and they'd put the oil and then part of that would be put on on the offering and part of it would be given to the priests. And then they would take the hint of wine and they would pour it out where the blood stained the front of the altar. They poured out the drink offering, a symbol of pouring out your life for the one who bled for you. That we pour out our life in response to what Jesus Christ has done for me. He gave His life for me. I, in turn, give my life for Him. I don't, I don't give it for anybody else or anything else. It's for Him. Whatever we do for Him has lasting impact in our, in our world and in our life. Whatever we do for ourselves, well, that's, that's pointless. So we take the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, that becomes part of our dedication and devotion. And then the joy of the Lord is when we pour out our life in service for the blood He shed for us. That's what the Scripture's laying out. That's what He's saying. Folks, I could pick up Numbers chapter 15 and we could just blow through it and talk about all the sacrifices and close it and say, well, that was it. doesn't really apply to us because we don't do it. But it does apply to us. Every word... Everything 
There's a purpose and a point and a reason behind it. And we have to open up God's Word and say, Lord, You revealed to me. Show me by the power of Your Holy Spirit what your, what, what's going on here. What's happening here? Jesus said every single part is about Him. All of it's about Him. And that's what that's telling us. Hey, and these sacrifices, these things that are going on, hey, we want to be fully devoted, dedicated to Him. And I don't want to be like the children of Israel who didn't believe and never once gave an offering of thanksgiving for 40 years. Never once brought a burnt offering. Never one time. Life gets busy sometimes, huh? Sure it does. Sometimes the storm's blowing hard. Sometimes a giant is so big, we can't even see what's on the other side of it. And we can get so enthralled with that that we forget about... The God who saves. And we're not plugged in. We're not empowered. We're not ready. And we wander in the wilderness like they did for 40 years. What did they do for 40 years? They complained. Chapter 16, they rebel and complain. Chapter 17, they rebel and complain. Chapter 18, guess what? Yeah, they rebel and complain. And rebel and complain and rebel and complain and rebel and complain until they are all dead. There are some people who profess Christ who live their life like that. I don't want that. I want what Jesus said. I've come to give you life and life more abundant. And he lays out for us what that is. A relationship. Real. Devoted. Dedicated. Sold out. Trusting, abiding, no compromise. Disciple. Not no slack, slack-jawed, spineless, weak-kneed jellyfish. He wants the real deal. He wants it all. Everything that we have to give. Listen, the scripture goes on to tell us in. He says in verse 11, Thus it will be done for each young bull, each ram, or each lamb, or young goat. According to the number that you prepare, so you shall do with everyone according to their number. Verse 13, All who are native-born shall do these things in this manner, in presenting an offering made by fire, sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. Now, if a stranger dwells with you, or whoever is among you throughout your generations, and would present an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord, just as you do, so he shall do. You understand what that meant? Nowhere does it say, first he's got to be circumcised, and he's got to complete all this list of do's and don'ts, and then he can offer. He says, if the stranger wants to come and offer... One law for both. I think our nation could learn something from that. One law for both. One ordinance shall be for you of the assembly and for the stranger who dwells with you. An ordinance forever throughout your generations. As you are, so the stranger shall be before the Lord. As you are, so the stranger shall be before the Lord. That's what the Lord Laid out in verse 16, one law, one custom shall be for you and for the stranger who dwells in you. And again, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, now speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land to which I bring you, then it will be when you eat of the bread of the land that you shall offer a heave offering to the Lord. What's he saying? When you come in and you receive that first harvest, you take of your first fruits And lift them up to the Lord and shake them to Him, thanking God for what He has given you. 
Because it's not about what we gave ourselves. We forget that sometimes. We sound more like Nebuchadnezzar often. This mighty kingdom which I have built. Oops, that was bad. How is it? We're to lift up a heave offering to the Lord, an offering of first fruits, never forgetting that it is God who provides. It was God who gave. It was God who laid it before them. You offer up a cake of the first of your ground meal as a heave offering, as a heave offering of the threshing floor, so you will offer it up. Of the first of your ground meal, you will give to the Lord a heave offering throughout your generation. So what would you do? You'd take the first of your, of your harvest of wheat, you'd bake a cake, you'd take that, some of it would be burned on the offering, some of it would be given to the priest to thank God for the fact that he gave you not only the land, but the harvest. Well, we all have that same opportunity still to give God thanks for our first fruit, what God has given to us. And what they did in the wilderness for 40 years, they forgot all that. They didn't do it. We have a choice. Do we want to follow the example of the 40 years in the wilderness, or do we want to hear what God's Word says? Do we want to follow what God's Word is laying out for us? Verse 22, if you sin unintentionally, And do not observe all these commandments which the Lord has spoken to Moses. All that the Lord has commanded you by the hand of Moses from the day the Lord gave commandment and onward throughout your generations. Then it will be if it is unintentionally committed without the knowledge of the congregation that the whole congregation will offer one young bull as a burnt offering. So he's going to give the requirement for sinning unintentionally. That means that you, it's like a sin and you guys understand the sin of omission and the sin of commission. Those things that we know are wrong that we've done. And there are also those things that, we, that we, maybe we didn't know was wrong, but we did. Same kind of a concept. It's sin unintentionally. Something that we really need to understand. That's the only kind of sin for which there is a sacrifice. We'll see in a minute. He wants us to realize that we are held accountable even if we don't know, you are still held accountable. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. Who's lost? Everyone. Why are we lost? We're sinners. What if you don't know the law? doesn't matter. You're still a sinner. You still need a Savior. And if you sin unintentionally, the Lord says, here is the offering. Here's the sacrifice. And he lays out for them the sacrifices that were to be given, the things that were to be done. Uh, so in verse 25, you go, or let's back up, verse 24. Then it will be, if it is unintentionally committed without the knowledge of the congregation, the whole congregation will offer one young bull as a burnt offering, a sweet aroma to the Lord, its grain offering, the drink offering, we already discussed those, according to the ordinance, and one kid of the goats is a sin offering. So they would have the offering of dedication, devotion, And they would have the sin offering to pay the price for that sin unintentionally. So the priest will make atonement for the whole congregation of the children of Israel, and it will be forgiven them. For it was unintentional. They shall bring their offering, an offering made by fire to the Lord, and the sin offering before the Lord for their unintended sin. It will be forgiven the whole congregation 
of the children of Israel and the stranger who dwells among them because all the people did it unintentionally. So here's what he's saying. This unintentional sin that, that the priest is going to stand in the line of, of judgment, providing the sin offering and finding forgiveness. The picture painted in the Old Testament is that of our great high priest doing the same thing for us. Listen, Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. And by his sacrifice, they can have forgiveness. But they still got to come to the sacrifice. They still need to be a part of what Jesus Christ has wrought for them. They still had to be a part of offering the offering to be made right with the Lord. Then, verse 27, if a person sins unintentionally, he will bring a female goat of the first year for a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for the person who sins unintentionally when he sins unintentionally before the Lord to make atonement for him and it will be forgiven him. You will have one law for him who sins unintentionally for him who is native born among the children of Israel or for the stranger who dwells among them. Everybody the same. Everybody the same. Whether they understood the law or didn't understand the law. We find ourselves, as the scripture declares, that there is none, none that are worthy. No one who is clean. No one who does good. We all need a Savior who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this is the picture that he's painting. But in verse 30, the person who does anything presumptuously, whether he is native-born or a stranger, that one brings reproach on the Lord, and he will be cut off from among his people. To sin presumptuously. It literally means to sin with a high hand. You may have heard that before. A presumptuous sin. This is how I want you to picture it. This is what the language in Hebrew is describing the person who shakes his fist at God while he sins. The high hand to sin presumptuously. I will not have you to rule over me. Ultimately, we'll receive what he's asking for. A place to dwell in eternity without the presence of God. To sin presumptuously, there is no sacrifice. What is it that Jesus said? All sins will be forgiven man save one. The sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not something that you can do on accident. It requires a work of your will. To sin high-handed is not a sin you can do on accident. It it, it requires your will to shake your fist at God while you sin. That's what he's talking about. It's an outright rebellion and rejection of what Christ has offered for us. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The sin of presumption to shake your fist in rebellion against the Lord. Because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment, that person will be completely cut off. His guilt shall be where? Upon him. There's two ways to come before God. That he who knew no sin becomes sin for us, that we would become the righteousness of God. That's putting your faith and trust in the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. Or 
my sin will be upon me. Two ways to go before God, one or the other. This is what he's saying here. The guilt shall be upon him. Now in verse 32, he's going to give us an example of it. We'll go through this pretty quick. But he's going to give us an example of the sin of presumption. Now while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. And they put him under guard because it hadn't been yet explained what what should be done to him. And the Lord said to Moses, the man must surely be put to death. All the congregation will stone him with stones outside the camp. So as the Lord commanded Moses, all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died. Jackie, how is that a sin of presumption? How how is that a high-handed sin, shaking your fist at God? What is it that the Lord required on the Sabbath? Beside the fact that there was to be no work done, there was to be no fires lit this man was out gathering wood for fire why was there to be no fires lit it was to be the the example of the lord's fire god said on this day i want you to trust me for everything and i'm going to meet all your needs right you don't have to gather manna why because the day before i gave you twice as much on the, in, in the year, if you would practice a sabbatical year, you don't have to plant any crops because the year before the, the sabbatical year, I'm going to give you twice as much. Well, they never did that. Because when you get twice as much, the next year I make more money if I plant. Right? This man's presumption was, I, I don't need God's fire. I don't need to obey God's will. So he was out gathering the the sticks for the fire by that simple act he was rejecting what god was offering to him the people found him and said we don't know what to do we don't know what to do with this guy what are we going to do about him and so the lord says you cut him off why because it will spread remember that which is unclean will make the clean dirty We experience that in every aspect of our lives, just walking through this world. That which is unclean will make the clean dirty. That who has rejected the Lord is going to affect those people that hang out with them. Right? God says, don't be conformed to the image of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Come out from among them. Be separate. Step out. Step away. So the sin of presumption... Shaking his fist at God, this man is gathering sticks. Seems like a little thing to you and me. It wasn't a little thing to the Lord. It was a big deal to him. He was rejecting God's ability to provide for him. Well, that puts everything in a different light, don't it? God wants us to trust him, wants us to put our faith and our hope in him again the lord spoke to moses and said so speak to the children of israel and tell them and make tassels on the corners of their garment throughout their generation put a blue thread in the tassel in the corner and you will have a tassel that when you look on it and remember all the commandments of the lord and do them that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined that you may remember to do all my commandments and be holy, for I am your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. 
I am the Lord your God. I want you to put blue tassels on the corners of your robes. What was the point? Put this tassel on the corner with this blue thread woven throughout. What else had blue thread on it? The covering of the Ark of the Covenant. What else had blue thread? The veil. What else? The tabernacle. Blue thread throughout was a picture of heaven. Those things that they could wear that could remind them who they are. Oh, we have that today. It's a bumper sticker. It's a bracelet. Uh, for some guys, it it's, it's could be any number of things. A, a shirt that they wear, a bumper sticker they put on their car to remind them of who they are. This is what the Lord said. Put on these tassels and remember who you are. Remember what I've done for you, that I brought you out of Egypt and that I want to take you to the promised land. God wants, he wants to see his sovereign will lived out in your life. But just like they did, we can delay the blessings of God by unbelief. By not stepping through in faith. By not trusting Him as we face the giants that we face. By not putting our hope and our trust in Him. He says, listen guys, I I want you to know. In our relationship, I want you not only to come to me with offerings of thanksgiving. I don't only to to come to me with offerings of devotion and and dedication. Uh, I want you to stir in the word with the Holy Spirit and and the joy of the Lord. I want all these things to be a part of your life. I want you to know that your unintentional sins, I got them covered. And I want you to be wary of presumptuous sins where you're shaking your fist at God in rebellion against Him. And I want you to be counted as mine. So put a tassel on your robe so that you remember who you are, what you're all about. And at Jesus' time, you know what those tassels had become? Enlarged. Jesus said to the Pharisees, Why do you enlarge your tassels as though somehow you've attained some great, greater holiness than anyone else? The Pharisees, they, they weren't satisfied with the little blue tassel. The bigger the tassel, the more holy I must be, right? Got these giant tassels dragging around behind me. But all that is is just show, man. Well, we, we can see it in our world. There's, there's people that got bumper stickers on the car. Probably should take them off. There's other people probably should put them on. God wants us to be counted His. He doesn't need any top secret agents. He wants people whose color is clear. What side are you on? To whom are you devoted? In whom do you trust? In chapter 15, it's laying out for us This warning again to another generation. Because, guys, the proof will come around because Kadesh Barnea is coming again. You're going to face the giants again. You will walk through the furnace of affliction more than once. You will eat the bread of affliction more than one time in your life. And when you face that, that's the time for us to look and say, am I clear? Am I who I profess to be? Do I trust the Lord Jesus Christ with all I'm worth? You can't imagine what that's like until you look at the doctor and he says, 
cancer everywhere. I don't know what to do. But you'll know where you are on your response. Like Job, though he slay me, I will trust him. Because he knows what he's doing. And he is worthy of our trust. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just, uh, as we stand before you this evening, Lord, we thank you so much for just the, the light, Lord Jesus, that is being shown in India, Father, and, and your children who are being loved and brought to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Father, how you're moving by your spirit. Father God, we're, we're excited and thankful, and, and God, we're just stoked to, to get to be a part of it. And as we consider that and we consider the work that you're doing around us, we realize that, God, that that work you want to to do in our lives, you want to move forward. But, God, we, your people, are standing at Kadesh Barnea in a state of unbelief. We can't move forward. We delay the blessing. Revival can't come if it doesn't come in this house among your people first. It's got to happen in my life. It's got to happen with me. It's got to happen with us individually. We each have to face up to the giant, even as the children of Israel did and say, either like Caleb and, and, and Joshua, we have faith and trust in God. He will deliver. He will either deliver me through this or he will bring me home. Both are okay with me. Lord, we each have to face that. We each have to come to the reality where we stand in that place and we realize, God, I don't want to be like a people that didn't offer thanks for 40 years, who made none of the volunteer sacrifices, who never came and said, I'm devoted to you. I want to be dedicated to you. I don't want to be that. I want to be devoted, dedicated, consecrated, sold out. That's what you call your people to be. So God, help us, your people. In the valley of Kadesh Barnea, facing those choices that we'll face, maybe day in and day out, help us reach that place. Help us reach that plateau that says, I trust you no matter what. No matter how, no matter who, I trust you. Let us be counted clearly as those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Not afraid to wear a blue tassel that says, I believe. May we never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of of God and salvation. Move among us, God. Work through us. Anoint this time, Lord Jesus, as we seek to honor you with all we have. Lord God, we just ask that as we leave this place, God, we don't just go back to where we came from. 
but we move forward. Do a mighty work in our life, Lord God, and we give you all the praise and all the glory for what you do. Father God, we thank you for Willow and her trip and her coming home soon. And, and Lord, we're so, we're so happy for her. And we, Father, pray that your hand of healing would be on Jeannie and strength for Jeannie and Dean and the entire family as they still face the storm that blows in their life. Give them the strength. Bring your healing in her life. God, touch her in an amazing way. Continue to touch lives as people within our fellowship go through the storm and others want to know, where does the strength come from to face what you face? Continue to do that perfect work in us. And may we never despise the day, God, when you bring us to Kadesh Barnea. May we, as that father once proclaimed to you, Lord God, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Make us strong in you, Father God. We seek to honor and glorify you in all we do. We lay this time before you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close in worship. We invite you to, to hang out and worship with us. I think we got goodies. If we don't, stay and hang out and fellowship with us and we'll pretend we have goodies. But if we do, I'll meet you around the goodie table. God bless you guys and go in peace.
standing before you forever, Lord. Um, Lord, you have placed heaven in our hearts, Lord. That desire, Lord, that, that feeling, Lord, that we just don't fit here anymore. Lord, uh, go with us as we fellowship, Lord, as we uh, continue through our week, Lord. May we walk in your spirit, Lord. Lord, may we worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.